This is ProBlogger. Hey, hey there, ProBlogger listeners. It's Darren Rouse here from ProBlogger. Welcome to episode 276 of the show. For those of you who are new to the show, ProBlogger is a site for bloggers and pre-bloggers designed to help them to start blogs, to grow those blogs, and to monetize those blogs. You can check out more of what we do over at ProBlogger. Particularly look out for our courses, our starter blog course, which is free, will help you get up and running, and our 31 Days to Build a Better Blog course, which is ideal for anyone with a blog who wants to take it up a notch to have a 31-day intense burst of blogging to grow your blog. Check out the courses tab on problogger.com. Now, today we're doing something a little different on the show. The last six or so shows, we've been featuring stories from new bloggers as part of our International Starter Blog Day, um, which was uh, last week. We had hundreds of blogs start on the day. It was so exciting to see them. And uh, you can check out some of those blogs that were started over on the ProBlogger blog. I'll put a link in the show notes today to that. But many of you already have a blog. And so that little series we ran, um, you were patient with us, and I know many of you enjoyed hearing those stories, but I know some of you have been wondering if you should start something else, some other kind of medium in 2019. So today I've invited Craig Hewitt onto the show to talk about starting a podcast. Now, while Craig's name may not be familiar to some of you, you have all heard his work and the work of his team. Every single one of you have heard it because right now you are listening to something that Craig and his team have been a part of because Craig is the founder of Podcast Motor, the company that edits this podcast and edits every episode of this podcast apart from the first uh, few episodes. I've been working with Craig and his team for a few years now and they have been fantastic at helping us to get this show to you each week. All I do is record it and pop it in a Dropbox and put a few notes into a Google Doc and they take it, they edit it, they put all the little breakers and the musical bits into it, they put the show notes together for us, they put it into our WordPress installation and they even schedule it for us. They create a social graphic for the show as well. So they do everything behind the scenes apart from record it themselves. And so they've really helped a lot to help get this show up and running. Craig has also started a new service um, more recently called Castos, uh, C-A-S-T-O-S, and I'll link to them in the show notes today. And I so wish this service was around when I started the podcast because it's a service that hosts your podcast, integrates it with WordPress, and basically does everything you need behind the scenes to put your your podcast onto the web. And it's really affordable as well. So when a number of listeners started asking questions about podcasting uh, recently in our Facebook group, Craig was the obvious person to get to come onto the show. He also tells me that he's put together a free um, step-by-step email course to help you launch a podcast as well, and we talk about that in the show today. Uh, If you do want to check that out, it's a seven-day or seven-step email sequence that you'll get, and you can sign up for that at castos.com forward slash problogger. And I've seen it. It's really a very helpful guide and something I wish I had had when I started this podcast because I kind of had to hack together this podcast using information from all over the place and to have it all in the one spot would be fantastic. So in today's interview, we cover a lot of ground. I basically put up a thread in our Facebook group asking members of our group what they want to know about podcasting and I was amazed how many questions came in. I was inundated with questions and I basically took all those questions and put them to Craig in today's show. We talk about the why of podcasting, the benefits of it, who should podcast, who shouldn't. We talk about gear, software that you need to start. We talk about creating the content, recording the content, promoting the content, leveraging your podcast to get readers to take action, to monetize it, and uh, launching a podcast as well. So there's a lot in today's show. I'm sure you'll find it useful. Some of you might want to check out the transcript as well because there's a lot of information in it. You can find the show notes today and that transcript at problogger.com forward slash podcast forward slash 276. And again, you can get Craig's free course, email course at castos.com. That's C-A-S-T-O-S.com 
forward slash pro blogger. That's a seven day course. And I'll talk a little bit more about that after the interview. Lastly, if you know someone who you think should start a podcast, please tell them about this episode. It not only will help to grow the pro blogger podcast, but it could also end up changing their life as well as they discover this medium for themselves. So I'm going to get back into the interview now. This was a fun one for me to record because I hadn't really spoken to Craig a lot, even though I've been working for years and uh, it was great to hear his voice and he had a lot of really great things to share as well. Creating great content, finding an audience, building engagement, monetizing your blog. This is ProBlogger. Hey, Craig, good to have you with us today. Welcome to the, the Pro Blogger podcast. Hey, Darren. Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, good to have you, and we've uh, obviously enjoyed having you uh, work with us on the Pro Blogger podcast for a while, and you seem like an ideal person to get on because many of our listeners at this time of year are thinking about uh, new types of content for the, the year ahead, and I know we get a lot of questions around podcasting, so I thought you'd be ideal to talk to us about you know, how to start a podcast and uh, any tips for the early days of podcasting. So what I thought I might do, though, before we kind of get into our readers' questions is to get you to sort of introduce your backstory. You know, how did you end up in the podcasting space? I think it's always funny. Everybody has their kind of secret story of how they got to where they are now. And mine was coming around the, the, the long way, I guess, into podcasting. When I started getting into online business and entrepreneurship, I wanted to start a podcast because I listened to ones like yours and Pat Flynn and said, you know, I could just at least document kind of what I'm doing and share along the way what I'm what's working and what's not. And and so I started my own podcast four years ago now. I can't believe it's been that long <laughs> and really quickly saw that audio editing and producing a podcast is frankly a pain. I mean, it's really difficult. And I think that if you talk to anybody who started a podcast, they say, this is the reason that it took us so long to get into this. And this is by far like the biggest pain point we have. You know, it's not like spaying up a blog where you just go and you sign up for a SiteGround hosting and you install WordPress and then you start typing. You can do all of it on your phone with with podcasting. You at, need, at least need a little bit of equipment, some software, a little bit of skills around like how to edit and what an RSS feed is and all these things. And and so I said, you know, I bet some people who are really busy would pay for this if I could take care of all of this stuff for them. And so we started Podcast Motor almost four years ago now here at the end of 2018. And so what Podcast Motor is aimed at is taking all of the back-end podcast editing and production work off of people's hands like yourself who are busy professionals, entrepreneurs, startups, businesses. They have a lot better things to do with their time than to learn how to be kind of a semi-pro audio editor. And it's a dream come true for me, I have to say. I, I know that the first months of me starting a podcast, I did it all myself and then I hired someone to do it for me. And it still was quite a bit of to and froing with that person to train them up and to get it just the way I wanted. And then uh, when we started working with you guys, it was amazing to be able to just record the podcast, the part that I enjoy the most, and then to put it in a Dropbox and the next thing I knew, it's live on the site with um, show notes and with a featured image and uh, transcript and all those things. So that's a, a great service to have. And you've also got uh, another product as well, which might be probably more interesting to um, some of our listeners as well. So maybe just talk about that right up front and then we'll get into the questions because I think um, it'll be something that listeners might enjoy. About two years ago now, um, I had the opportunity to to get into the product space a little bit in podcasting and purchased a WordPress plugin called Seriously Simple Podcasting. And from there, we've built the the Castos hosting platform. So we'll probably talk about kind of the nuts and bolts of podcasting a little bit later in the episode, but you really want a dedicated hosting platform to store and distribute all the media files for your podcast. You don't want that living on the same server where your WordPress site lives. And so we've built the Castos platform that integrates with WordPress really tightly. And so that's kind of another product we have in the in the podcasting space. And yeah, so I mean, for people getting started with podcasting, we've built a really cool getting started email and video course 
called Launch in a Week. And the idea is to take you from, hey, I want to start a podcast to the podcast actually being live with episodes and in iTunes and all that kind of stuff in just a week. And so, yeah, if folks want to check that out, they can go to castos.com slash problogger. And I'm sure we'll have a, a link in the show notes. We shall. You know, this isn't about selling to our listeners. I just wanted to kind of get that up front because you you bring a lot of um, credibility, I guess, to this topic and a lot of experience, particularly in that area of editing and um, helping podcasts to get up and running with that hosting side of things, the technicalities of, of podcasting, which to be honest, was my almost killed me, um, and I almost stopped my podcast before I even started. So that's kind of the perspective we're coming to this interview today. Now, I asked in our Facebook group, our Facebook group listeners, to ask any questions that they had about podcasting, and I was amazed how many questions came in. So I, I was going to prepare a whole lot of questions, but I think our readers, uh, listeners, probably are the best ones to ask the questions. So I'm going to th- kind of throw the podcast over to them, and I've kind of ordered them in a, in a way that I hope makes sense. But a lot of the questions that I want to start off with are around the why of podcasting. You know, I said it at the start of the show, this is a time of year where we see a lot of readers start new blogs, but also new podcasts or new YouTube channels. So for those listening who are wondering, is a podcast right for me? Why do you love podcasting? Why do you think it's a medium our listeners should be considering? Anybody that is creating content, and that typically means they're blogging already, but like you said, they could have a YouTube channel or big social media following already. I think podcasting is a natural extension to that in that it's an additive type of content edition that they're doing instead of saying, hey, I'm on a podcast instead of blogging or instead of doing a YouTube channel, I'm going to start a podcast because we always say you can do two different things with a podcast than you can say a blog. And it is to, to reach the existing audience in a little bit different way or reach an entirely new audience that might just not be a blog reader. And so what it looks like in the, in the first aspect is reaching your existing audience in a different way is is having usually different types of conversations or covering different topics around kind of your main area of focus that is just more kind of appropriate for an audio medium. So so like you and I having this conversation in a blog would be really weird, <laughs> but having this conversation and having really a dialogue and having your Facebook group members have questions and things like that is really natural in this kind of audio medium people looking to start a podcast that already have some other type of content say to themselves, maybe, you know, what am I covering in my blog? That's great. And then what can I cover in the audio medium that could be different and additive things like interviews and case studies and things like that tend to lend themselves to the audio medium much better than, than written. And then reaching like a new audience. There's a lot of people that don't have time to, to read blog posts. I'm one of those people. I mean, you know, when I was working corporate, I would have hours a day in the car that I just listen to podcasts and I could never spend hours a day reading a blog. So kind of think about people maybe in those situations. Yeah, that's so true. And that's my experience really is by starting this podcast, I grew my audience. So there were certainly new people who came into the audience, but I really like what you said about reaching your current audience in a different way as well, because seem to deepen that relationship with old time readers or reignite the the spark um, with those readers as well. I actually had a question from Liesl, which I think builds on what you were saying. Liesl said, I'm an artist and have a blog, which is about art, which is very visual, but I'm wondering if I should do a podcast. How could I do a podcast with such a visual topic? Any thoughts on that for Liesl? So I interviewed a fellow for our podcast at Castos who is an artist. He's a, an Irish fellow that has one of our most popular podcasts that we host at Castos. And I can see they just buy download numbers and something gets 20 or 30,000 downloads per episode. And I asked him this exact question. I said, you know, this is a really visual medium that you kind of live in. And this kind of goes back to why would you podcast instead of have a blog or something? He says, yeah, but I can tell the story of the artists so much better in a podcast than I ever could in a blog because he blogs as well, obviously. And so I think for her to say, could you get the artists on and talk about just the artists themselves and their story and their journey and challenges they're having and things they're up to talk about the art, of course, but even in a medium like art where everything is so visual, telling the story of the artists and the people themselves is really unique, right? Very few people probably are doing that. And so it'd be a way for her to stand out and tell a different story of kind of the art world to their audience. 
Yeah, and I think you could then drive people back to your blog post, which might show the art of the artists uh, in the show notes or in, in separate blog posts. So that'll be a good combination. You're listening to Pro Blogger. Tula asked an interesting question. She said, would you suggest a person with a foreign accent do a podcast? She's got a popular YouTube channel in spite of the accent that she has, but she's wondering because podcast is purely audio and not visual, whether it would be a challenge for her. Absolutely. I think that it gives you a chance to differentiate yourself from everyone else that's American or British. I mean, if you look at the the kind of high-level podcast statistics, it's really dominated by the U or the North American, at least, and some of the European demographics. So if you're Australian or Irish or Latin American or whatever, I think it gives you a chance to really show who you are and stand out like that. I don't know, Darren, have you seen being Australian that, that people are kind of surprised or have uh, different reactions to your accent? Some are probably surprised that you're Australian, right? <laughs> I do, I do. hear you, right? <laughs> it's amazing how many long-time readers of the blog said, I never knew that you were an Aussie, even though I kind of talk about Australia and quite a bit, and I'm certainly my Twitter account's most active during Australian hours. But uh, So it was a surprise to some people, and it's also been attractive to other people in that it's interesting. I get a lot of comments from people saying, my kids love your podcast because they love the accent and the and the crazy words that you use that you don't even know you're using. So yeah, I actually yeah. think it <laughs> is a part of the branding, I guess, as well. Yeah. So I guess it really probably depends on how how different your accent is and if, if you find that um, people do struggle to understand your English, uh, maybe if English is a second language, maybe it could be a challenge, but I actually think, uh, like you, it's a, a good thing too. And I think it kind of gets it a, a bit of a higher level thing is, is having a, a brand and an identity. Your accent and being Australian is part of your brand and identity, and for her as well, if she's comfortable with it, she's got to get comfortable with hearing your voice because that's a really weird thing. The first time you hear yourself recorded, you're like, oh my gosh, I sound like an idiot <laughs> or I didn't, I never knew my voice is like this. Once you, you get comfortable with it and have confidence in it, which honestly is kind of a hard thing for a lot of people, you got to embrace it and love it and go with it. And that's part of the brand of your podcast then. Yeah. Yeah. So go for it, Tula. Before we kind of move on to some of the logistics of starting a podcast. Do you have any examples that come to mind of bloggers that you've worked with that have launched a podcast in addition to their blog? Yeah, I'd be interested to hear of any examples that you've got and, and things that you've seen that they've done well. One of the kind of shining examples of of this for us is so at Podcast Motor, we've been working with CoSchedule. So CoSchedule is a kind of marketing automation tool for WordPress and we've been working with them for a long time now, a couple of years. We've asked them, you know, hey, you guys write such amazing blog content. If you've never checked out the CoSchedule blog, go check it out. You'll be blown away at the depth of articles that they write. And so they came back to us and said, yeah, we can write really great in-depth blog posts. But what we can't do is hear the story of, of these people and have like organic, natural conversations with them about what's going on in their business, why they're doing this and how, and, and can I get the, the story behind it? And what they found is that the, the podcast now is, is kind of the main, in the marketing terms, top of the funnel area where new people find their brand and then come in and they say, you know, they link back to the website, like all good podcasters should is go back to, you know, link back to your home base, wherever that is in business or personal brand website or whatever. But a lot of people are finding co-schedule through their podcast now and not through their blog. And then they go and see the blog and say, holy cow, you know, their blog content is so great. This company really knows what they're doing. And then ultimately become become customers. And that's kind of the the flow, I think, that a lot of podcasters that are in business or have a brand of whatever type that that want to get people back to their site to learn more about them is to knock people's socks off with the, the quality and depth and authenticity of their of their podcast content and then get them back to their site to to find out more and hopefully you know engage with them there but yeah i mean i think co-schedules had a really really positive experience with podcasting in the last couple of years hmm. and are they telling stories i think you mentioned earlier in in their podcast is that what it's all about for them they're kind of doing case studies and you know a, a fair amount of kind of nitty-gritty how-to stuff because that's that's kind of their mo but just doing it in the audio medium, I think, tells a story, if you will, 
uh, better than they can in a blog. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I think their content on the blog would lend itself to repurpose to the podcast as well. And to, to be able to link their content together in that way would, would work. I'm not sure whether they're doing that, but that's certainly something that's worked well on ProBlogger because we do the how-to content to be able to tackle the same topic in a, in a slightly different way or to bring on a guest is, is something that our listeners seem to enjoy too. Mm, yep, very smart, yeah. So a lot of the questions we got were around You'll probably uh, be no surprise. A gear microphones was the the, the most commonly uh, thing that people asked. Uh, Sumit, I'll take for example, says, "What microphones and other recording equipment do you recommend for those starting out?" And a lot of the questions were around, you know, uh, on a budget. Uh, what's the first one you should get that doesn't break the bank? So, if you've got any, um, you know, advice on what microphone to to get, um, I'm sure that would be uh, appreciated. Yeah, no, this is by far the top question. And so to go back just a little bit to our launch in a week email and videos course, the the goal that we put together with it is to say there are a million ways to do this. And there are 872 blog posts about the best podcasting mic out there. And you really can. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of folks do say, I'm going to go do all the research and spend a month doing this. And then they never get started because they just get overwhelmed with all of the stuff out there and conflicting opinions and all this kind of stuff about like how you should start a podcast. And we try to say, forget it. (laughs) We're going to tell you one or two ways to do this. And so you can just go and follow the launch in a week course and say, okay, this is great. Craig has taken all of the questions (laughs) out of my, out of my head and keeping me from doing this so that I can actually, you know, start the podcast. And so, but all that preamble to say, I have two recommendations when it comes to podcasting mics. One is the one I'm using right now and I've been using for three and a half years is the Audio-Technica ATR 2100. It is a, a USB mic. It plugs right into my MacBook and I record usually on Skype like we are doing now or on Zoom, both of which are basically free. If you want to go up one notch from there, the Shure SM7B is a really, really high quality mic. It costs about three or four hundred dollars. Then you need another piece of equipment called a preamp to go kind of in between that and your computer. And we like the Scarlett Focusrite, which is about another hundred dollars. That gives you a little more depth of kind of vocal quality. I, I think the Audio Technica mic, which is like sixty or seventy dollars on Amazon, is great, and it's great for a lot of people. I know Tim Ferriss uses this or used it at some point for all of his interviews. So I, if it's good enough for him, I think it's good enough for pretty much everybody. But don't let microphones hang you up and keep you from getting started. Yeah. That's right. We'll compile a, l- a list of links to all these uh, microphones and gear in the show notes as well. Uh, similar question, what software do you recommend? You, you just mentioned Skype and Zoom. I presume that's more for interviewing guests. Yeah. Do you have any other software that people should try, particularly if they're maybe doing a talking head podcast? Yeah, for remote interviews like this, Skype or Zoom. And there's an add-on to Skype called Call Recorder if you're on a Mac. So that gets kind of the remote interviews done. If you're just recording locally, there is a free open source cross-platform tool. So it works on Windows or Mac called Audacity. Again, it is perfectly good. It's the tool I use still all the time when I need to edit stuff. It's really, really high quality and being open source, it's free. So audacity.org, I think it is, uh, for recording locally and for editing. So you can do both in the same tool there. And so it's wonderful. Yep. I just used GarageBand because it was on my Mac uh, to start with, but Audacity is certainly one that most of my friends seem to be using these days as well. Frank asked for some advice on hosting. Now, we have to disclaim that you actually offer that uh, that sort of <laughs> service, so maybe go check out Castos um, would be a, a good way to go. But I guess maybe if you could talk to what you kind of mentioned earlier about not using your blog hosting. Um, Maybe if you could just expand on that a little as to why that might be. I think having a dedicated media hosting platform is a good idea because say you, you release your podcast episodes every Tuesday morning. If you're hosting your podcast media files on the same server that your website is served from and you have hopefully thousands of listeners every Tuesday morning that are subscribed to your podcast, a new episode comes out in iTunes. They're all downloading your episode at eight o'clock on Tuesday morning. If you have 
a bunch of people at your website as well, your website is going to crash maybe, perform really slowly. Uh, those files might not download because they're all getting sucked out of the same server. If you can separate those two resources onto different platforms, then your website will perform much better and consistently, and your podcast listeners will be able to stream and download your episodes much more smoothly. So separating those two resources onto different platforms is just a best practice really in podcasting. And then when it comes to podcast hosting platforms, I'm of course biased. I think Castos is great, especially if you're using WordPress because it lets you do everything in one place. If you're not, or you want to check other things out, I really like what the folks at Simplecast are doing these days. So simplecast.com is a, a really great platform. And the tool that a lot of people have heard of probably is Libsyn. And I mean, they've been around probably the longest and are probably the biggest player in the industry. And so maybe check out Libsyn as well. Mm. And it's not that expensive, really. Monty actually asked, how much does it cost to get into podcasting? Um, maybe you could speak to that. There's hosting, obviously your, your microphone. What else do people need to be considering? Hosting a good microphone, because it is worth spending the 60 or $70 that the Audio-Technica might cost. If that's too much, I know a lot of people that use their Apple earbuds that come with an iPhone or an Android phone. Just something so that you have some microphone kind of close to your mouth is really important. So I think that's the one thing you have to have is some kind of microphone. And then a hosting plan costs 10 to $20 a month. And so you can go kind of all in for, for less than $100 to start with. And then these hosting platforms are all kind of on a, on a monthly basis, just like your your WordPress hosting platform would be. Yeah, I mean, there's some other kind of things that are nice to have when it comes to, to audio gear. So if you're using a microphone like the Shure SM7B or the Audio-Technica, having a pop filter, which is a little kind of screen that sits between your mouth and the microphone, and it cuts down all on what's called plosives, so these really harsh P and T sounds. So if you don't have this, that every time you say, can I please go take this, or you know all these kind of words that start with P and T, they're really harsh and sound really bad in your recording. So the the pop filter kind of mechanically filters those out. So that's a really nice thing. Another thing that I really like is having a boom arm, which is this kind of articulating arm that attaches to your desk or table and then holds the mic up at the vertical level of your mouth so that you can sit comfortably and talk into the mic without stooping down or or holding the mic in your hand and having all, all sorts of uncomfortable ergonomics for podcasting. Because your voice actually sounds different if you're talking down or talking up. So having it kind of right at the level of your mouth is is really nice. But I mean, those two pieces together would cost you another $30 or $40. So again, you're, you're right at $100 getting started. That's great. And that, you know, the boom mic also allows you to stand up, which is what I like to do when I'm uh, podcasting, because uh, it seems to give a bit more energy to what you're doing as well. Creating great content and building your audience. This is ProBlogger. Let's talk a little bit about content. Let's start with Florence's question. Is it best to have a script for your podcast or to go with bullet points or just ad lib? What's your preference? What do you do? This will change as your journey as a podcaster evolves. So as you're just getting started, it is much easier to have a little more content prepared and a little better idea of what you're trying to do. As you evolve, there are a lot of podcasters I know that say, let's just hit record and see where this goes. And that's perfectly fine when you as an interviewer have some more confidence and skills. But as you're just getting started, at least having an outline of, okay, I'm going to interview Craig today. I'm going to ask him these six or seven questions generally, uh, so that if there's a a dead point or a weird transition in the interview, you can say, okay, I'm going to go next to this one because this is next on my list. I think for most people, uh, scripting out an entire monologue or a series of questions is really difficult because for me and for a lot of people, the hardest thing in podcasting is to just talk for five or 10 or 30 minutes by yourself and reading something and having it sound natural for you and me to sit down and have this conversation for an hour is no problem. And for most people, it probably isn't. This is not the question, but I would say in terms of format of podcasts, I think if people are considering having a solo show where they're the only one talking, I would make sure that you're very comfortable speaking because it's just hard. 
it's just hard as opposed to having a co-host or an interview type show. Yeah, and that's um, a few people did ask, you know, what are the pros and cons of having a co-host? And as someone who predominantly does just talking head, me alone in a room, it is an awkward, strange thing to do to just sit there and talk. And so I do have, I don't have a script for mine, but I certainly have fairly comprehensive bullet points so that I know I can fill up 20 minutes. I couldn't just ad lib for 20 or 30 minutes. You know, someone like Gary Vee um, probably could, but you know, I need to have thought about the journey that I'm going to take my readers on. But a script really doesn't work for me. And I, I think some of the early podcasts, if you go back and listen to the first few, I, I didn't read them, but I almost was. And it, it comes across in the, the style, I guess, of the podcast. Any tips on finding a co-host? Um, should you find someone that complements your <laughs> personality? Any tips on that? I've never had one, so I don't know what I'd be looking for. My personal podcast that I started, geez, four years ago, started as a solo show where I was planning on interviewing people. And I think my third or fourth interview, <laughs> interviewed a fellow, uh, Dave Rodenbaugh, who's now my co-host. We kind of started down one path and went to another after he came on the show. And yeah, he compliments my style and experience and personality quite a bit. Not not so much that it's awkward or confrontational or anything like that. And I think that's important because uh, it's not quite like, you know, running a business together or getting married. But I think you and your co-host are going to be spending a lot of time together and talking about a lot of things that hopefully are really important to you and, and your audience. So yeah, I would say if you're considering having a co-host and you don't have somebody in mind for it already, look around at, at kind of your your world that you live in and people that you find interesting and have complementary but kind of similar perspectives to you. Time zone is an important one. Dave lives in Colorado and I live in France now. Uh, I'm American, but I've been living in France for the last two years. And so we're eight hours apart. And that's challenging because I have to podcast at nine o'clock at night. And <laughs> uh, it's definitely something to think about. Yeah. The one thing I'd add in uh, having talked to a few of my friends is that some point of tension can actually be a good thing. Like, I think you want to have similar values, but having different perspectives perspectives or life experiences sometimes can make for an interesting discussion. I'm thinking of one podcast uh, host that I know of. She's quite straight. She's quite matter of fact. And the other one is all over the place and disorganized. And, and I think that makes for an interesting discussion. So yeah, I think something along those lines can sometimes work too, because it makes it just adds a little bit of tension. You never quite know where it's going to go. So Ollie asks about finding guests for your podcast. So if you are going to do an interview, one, how do you find the guests? And two, what's your approach in preparing the guest for the interview? Most people find when they start out, finding guests is not that hard. You have a you know a dream team list of the top 10 or 20 people that you want to have on the show. So getting through that first couple months is, is typically pretty easy for folks. You know, all the people in your industry that you really look up to or have worked with in the past or something are really high quality candidates for your podcast. Coincidentally, for, for people that are kind of more on the business to business side of content in the worlds that they live in, one of the things that very few people realize, I think, in this a hidden gem of podcasting is the, the networking opportunity. If you're a business and you're saying, why would I start a podcast? There's only going to be 30 people that listen to my podcast. Don't discount the fact that if you go and ask all the leaders in your industry, if they want to come on your podcast, you're going to instantly become an authority in your space. And you're going to have whatever, 30 or 100 people that you've spent an hour talking to that you very likely couldn't have had that hour to talk with them in another manner. So, I mean, just to, to be able to say, Darren, would you like to come on my podcast? I'd love to talk to you about blogging and how I can grow your brand and all this kind of stuff. You'd be like, wow, that's great. I'm going to get to go on a podcast and talk about this thing that I love and that I'm authority on and that Craig and all of his readers and, and listeners are going to think that, that I know what I'm talking about. If you're looking at getting into podcasting from a B2B space, I would definitely consider it as the biggest opportunity is just for networking. Audience building for sure, but networking is is huge. As far as preparing your guests, I think having a quick call before the podcast, it can be the day or a couple of days before or a week before, is really helpful. It can just be 10 or 15 minutes. Hey, 
you know, we're going to talk about these few things. Do you have any questions? Do you have gear? <laughs> That's a really important one. Do you have a mic? Do you at least have, uh, you know, earbuds that you can put in? Because one of the biggest challenges from an audio perspective is you as the podcast host are going to have your, your gear and your setup and your recording figured out, but are you going to be able to prepare your guests so that they can record high quality audio too? So figuring out a way and a, a system to do that every time is really important. Otherwise, you're going to have great sounding audio and your guests are going to sound like they're in a trash can. And that's horrible for, for your listeners. And then using scheduling tools like Calendly or the, you know, the many others that are available out there that just let you say, hey, I'd love to have on the podcast. Click here to grab a time on my calendar. Takes all of the back and forth and time zone guessing and all this kind of stuff out of the equation. Great tips. Omid asks, uh, where should you get an intro or outro made for your podcast? I guess he's talking about the music or the, you know, the intro that goes at the start that introduces you any places that you would look. I think when it comes to intros, you, you have two choices, really. You can record it yourself, which is perfectly fine. And a lot of people do this. And then you don't have to go get it outsourced to a voiceover artist. If you do, for whatever reason, either you, you want some kind of vocal diversity in your podcast or you don't like the sound of your voice and so you want somebody else to bring you in. We actually have had really good luck with some folks on Fiverr. So Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Typically with these type marketplaces, if you search for the the top level providers there, they're pretty solid and it would cost between five and you know 20 or $30 for a voiceover and it's done in a couple of days. Just send them a script and they record it and send it back to you. How to build and monetize your blog. This is ProBlogger. So, um, Kathy's asking about making the audio less echoey in her room. She says she can't alter her room too much because it's her living room <laughs> the rest of the time. But any tips on you know helping to deaden that that echo? Looking at your microphone uh, very well may be the answer. There are some mics out there that are really popular that are frankly just not ideal for podcasting. The Blue Yeti is one of those. So it's a really, really, really great high quality mic if you're in a sound booth and it works beautifully there. If you're not and you're in your living room or in a conference room or something with a bunch of flat walls and kind of hard spaces, the echo is gonna be really bad and a really sensitive mic like that is gonna pick all that up. So for Kathy, I would say, if she can move, that would probably be the best thing. As strange as it sounds, a lot of people record podcasts in their closets. Uh, so it sounds really bizarre, but trust me, some of the, the best podcasters you know <laughs> podcast in their closet. And it's because it's a small space with a lot of soft stuff, all your clothes and shoes and bags and stuff. And you can kind of isolate yourself in a really sound dampened environment. So if you're able to move to somewhere like that, then do it. I podcast in my office, which is kind of the top floor of our house and has like wood paneling and angled ceilings. So it's a really good room for, for podcasting. Things like a conference room with just this giant glass table uh, is just the worst. Um, yeah. Hard surfaces aren't great, are they? Yeah. I find the best room in my house is my 12-year-old's bedroom because it's just a complete <laughs> mess. <laughs> There's yeah. stuff everywhere. <laughs> I've I've gone in there a couple of times and I may do so more often because our next door neighbors have just demolished their house and are about to start building. So I suspect it's going to get noisy around here, unfortunately. Uh, sorry to our, our listeners for that <laughs> upcoming. It may, may give the uh, editors of this podcast a little bit more of a challenge. Um, <laughs> which leads me to my next question from Ron. How much editing is too much? This should match kind of the style that you have overall. If you are kind of really buttoned up and want everything to flow really quickly and sequentially and have a really tight podcast, then spending more time removing all the ums and ahs and slight pauses and misspeakings and things like that is going to be consistent with yourself and your brand. If you want to have a show that is more conversational, so you know, Darren and I are just having a conversation. It sounds like two of your friends talking about something that you enjoy then it's perfectly fine. And honestly, you don't need to spend a lot of time at all editing. I know a lot of people that edit their podcast while they're you know, doing email or spending time on Twitter and stuff like that and only make you know, a half a dozen maybe small edits to the podcast and trimming off the top and the bottom and adding music and things like that. And 
editing doesn't have to be that hard. I think there definitely is a point to the the spirit of the question where too much editing makes it sound artificial and not like a conversation. So I think you want to you want to clean it up a little bit, make it sound professional. But if you do it too much, it's going to sound unnatural. I mean, no nobody has conversations without pauses and saying um. So it's okay to say um every once in a while. But yeah, just don't don't overdo it. Don't take out all the the spirit of of the conversation. I was talking to a few friends about this the other day. Most of my friends listen to podcasts on 1.5 speed or 1.3 speed or double speed, and it doesn't sound natural <laughs> that way either. So I don't think too many people are, are really worried about the the ums and the ahs and the slight gaps in in the conversation. You know, I think the other part of this that again, like people are getting kind of held up with getting into podcasting is you are not Gimlet Media, you are not NPR, you are not. No offense, none of us are probably going to be award-winning podcasters. We want to do this for our hobby or for our business and an, you know, an additional thing to our blog. But don't be afraid to just do it and get started. If it's not perfect or it doesn't sound like the Gimlet guys, it's great. It's fine. It's you. It, it doesn't matter. It's not. That's not the the end game. And they are spending a fortune on it. I, I heard one. I can't remember whether it was Radio Lab. Maybe did an episode, and they talked about how one of their episodes cost a hundred thousand dollars. Wow! Um, that's just one of their episodes, and they do weekly shows. So, uh, you know, that's that's. So, don't compare yourselves to them because you're not on a par at all. Yeah. Uh, so, launching your podcast, uh, where should you be submitting your podcast? You've got it up on your hosting now. Apple's the obvious one. Paul asks, is Spotify worth it? Should you be putting uh, it into all the different networks? Uh, is there an easy way to do that? Yeah. So, I think there's four places now where you really need to have your podcast and maybe five. Apple Podcasts slash formerly known as iTunes is still the biggest one and will be for I don't know, forever maybe. <laughs> Google Podcast, Google Play uh, for kind of strictly Android users is a big one. And, and folks in the US kind of say Android users, you know, nobody uses Android. Android is much more popular on a global basis than the Apple platform. So don't discount kind of giving your Android friends a chance to listen to your podcast. Stitcher is a cross podcasting platform. People on Apple and on Android can listen on Stitcher and has some cool uh, kind of streaming features. Uh, and the fourth one I would, I would say is Spotify. It is definitely worth it. Some data that we've heard kind of in the industry is that it's constituting, you know, 10 plus percent of listens for a lot of popular shows. So it's definitely worth uh, getting your show on Spotify and, and you can submit to them independently if you want. Most of the time it's done through an integration in your hosting platform. So if you're on Castos or Libsyn or Simplecast, it's just a click of a button. So once you've created your feed and published your first podcast, you just click a button and it goes to Spotify automatically. And the fifth one I would say maybe is is YouTube. Um, so a lot of people don't consider repurposing their audio content into video to YouTube, but I think it's definitely something to consider because it kind of goes back to our people consume content in different ways. It might be that the people that you want to reach love being on YouTube and watching stuff, and they could find your podcast on YouTube instead of an Apple podcast or on your blog. There's some tools out there that let you do this automatically. Uh, we do it automatically at Castos to, to repurpose your, your audio content into to video and publish it to YouTube for you automatically. So it's definitely something to consider. Putting it on YouTube is is really smart because it is such a massive search engine um, and people will find you for the first time there. They may not listen to all your podcasts there, but they may um, discover you for the first time. Um, Paul and Muthoni both asked um, how to get found as a podcaster. Obviously, putting yourself into these search engines can get you some new readers, but uh, any other tips on growing that audience? Yeah, I would love to hear some of your experience on this. I'll give my my take on it as well. But starting with your existing audience is, is a, a natural and kind of obvious place to start. Go to your, your tribe and say, you know, we have a podcast and, and ask for two things. You know, could you subscribe so that they get every episode automatically and then leave a rating and review, which gives you that some of that social proof. Uh, I think it probably helps the, the iTunes or Apple podcast algorithm a little bit, too. But subscribe, leave a rating review to give that social proof that you know thirty other people think that this is a good show. You know, I should probably check it out too if if new people are are kind of finding you organically. Um, but I think the 
best and biggest opportunity for growing your audience with podcasts is to ask your existing listeners to share it with somebody else. And that's a call to action that we're finding more and more popular is not in the show itself to say, hey, go you know, subscribe, leave a rate and review on iTunes. But hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, share it with somebody else you know, from our world that you think might enjoy it and helps us kind of spread the word. So that's kind of the, the new twist I would have on that. But I'd love to hear, Darren, like, what have you found particularly effective to, to kind of spreading the word about your podcast? I did all of those things. I've um, promoted it to our network, emailed our list, promoted it on social media. All of that works to some degree, but probably the thing that's brought the biggest bumps in new downloads and listeners has been appearing on other people's podcasts. If you want to find podcast listeners, you it's better to be on a podcast than to be a guest, on a guest blog. Um, I think you, you want to go into the, that medium, I guess, in some ways. Now, you know, that can be a challenge when you're just starting out and maybe no one else knows you, but uh, interviewing other podcasters on your podcast sometimes gets you an invitation back to be on theirs, it, particularly if you are an interesting and aging uh, interviewer. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably something I would be aiming for. And it's amazing, you know, when I go to a conference, people will often say to me, I heard you on Amy Porterfield's podcast, or I heard you um, on this interview that you did with someone that you can't even remember doing an interview with, but that's, that's actually what um, made the big impression uh, for people. Yeah. Yep. Um, one last question on launching. How many episodes should you record before you launch? And I, uh, I know you've got a bit of an answer on this in your course because I uh, took a look at that today, but have um, you got any advice for people? So there's two answers. Is The, the question was how many should you record? Uh, and I think that is something like five episodes. And you want to have all those done so that when it's time to launch, you don't have to worry about going and creating more content. So if you can go in and get five episodes, interviews or monologues or with your co-host done, then you know, okay, all of the content I need to really launch my show for the first month, give or take, is done. I don't have to worry about that anymore. I can worry just about launching and promoting and connecting with my audience and things like that. When it comes to the mechanics of launching, what we really like to do is to launch with two episodes typically and then plus or minus uh, what's called like an episode zero. So a lot of shows will have just a quick, you know, five, 10 minute, just you or you and your co-host talking about what the show is about on a meta level. So it gives people an opportunity to hear, okay, this show is going to come out every week or every other week on Thursdays. And it's going to be about this, this, and this. And we're going to interview these type of people or whatever the format is going to be. Uh, you're going to be talking about video games or we're going to be talking about gardening or whatever it is and why people should listen and what they can expect and things like that. And episode zero is a really nice way to to set your listeners up for for what's coming in the podcast. And then two episodes is a, a nice balance of two areas of, of this approach is you want to give more than one episode so that your audience has a chance to connect with you in a little bit different way. And so the two first two episodes should be slightly different in like format. Maybe one is a monologue and one is a, an interview. Or if you have a co-host, maybe you guys talk about really different subtopics within kind of your main world that you're living in. So that if somebody listens to both episodes, they may hate the first one and love the second one. But if they're exactly the same, you don't have that opportunity. So, so having within the same kind of theme that you have for your podcast as a whole, having a slightly different twist on the first two episodes is really good. And I think if you have like an interview style podcast, having one of those episodes be your real kind of gangbuster out of the gates, high, you know, high caliber guest is, is probably a good move because it's that first impression. That's great. And also, I think having more than one gives people something to binge on a little bit. Um, there's nothing worse than finding something that you just love and then you've got to wait for another week. So um, hooking people in with you know two or even three, and we did 31 in 31 days, that's probably overkill. Uh, and, but it it enabled to build you to build a bit of momentum as well. So I think you know sometimes going harder up front and then pulling back a little bit can can work too. Yeah. Uh, just to add to that, I think the the balance of of creating a bunch of content at once is if you're able to, I think more content is almost always better. So Darren, you and your team are capable of creating a lot of content. And for you, that was really easy. What we kind of coach our customers on is if creating content is difficult for you, 
or you're busy or you have interviews, you know, schedules to, to work out and stuff like that. Don't put too much out at first because a lot of people want to listen to a couple of podcasts, but n- almost nobody is going to listen to 10 podcasts in a day. So people that say, I want to launch with 10 podcasts on the first day. Unfortunately, they're throwing away eight of those podcasts where they could just save them and release them later. So that's kind of the the balance that we want to strike is how able are you to create podcast content and how much do you think your audience really can consume at a time? So 31 and 31 days is perfect. Probably 31 episodes on day one <laughs> would not have been as effective. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. And it's also one of the things I, I wish I'd known is how popular those first episodes can be. I guess, take your time with them because the the number one episode I've ever done is the number one podcast I ever recorded because a lot of people go back and listen to that first one. They work through it again, um, which I cringe at a little bit because, you know, it wasn't as good. But um, I, I'm kind of, on the other hand, really glad that I did those 31 because they built on each other as well. And so those who do go back get to go on that journey with you of um, one episode into another into another as well. So, um, yeah, don't just think that no one will ever listen to your early ones. They do. <laughs> You're listening to Pro Blogger. Couple of last questions that I want to kind of um, key on, and, and selfishly, these are questions that I've got as well, um, and I know a lot of podcasters really struggle with. Is how do you actually turn your podcast listeners into more engaged customers or subscribers or visitors to your blog? I think the big challenge that a lot of podcasters have is that. Anyone listening to a podcast is usually doing something else. Um, They're on their phone, on a walk, or they're doing their dishes, or they're doing the ironing, or they're in the car driving somewhere. And they're not always in a position to go and buy your product or go and click on a link and download something. Um, Do you have any advice on how to turn those, those listeners into a more engaged audience? This is the tough one, right? This is the, this is the, doing this and measuring this is really tough. I think you know a lot of savvy marketers say, "I'm going to do a podcast, but I want to make sure I get good ROI on my podcast." The best thing I've heard, and again, we're we're good at like having a thing that that is like the the call to action here is the the best thing I've heard is actually from the folks at CoSchedule, and what they do is they have this goes back to attribution a little bit, but they have a link in the podcast, in the audio itself, that is not in the show notes, um, that is usually really easy for people to be able to follow. So for a particular episode, they'll build a page where they can say, okay, if you want to find out more about how we scheduled, you know, this Instagram scheduling tool, go to coschedule.com slash Instagram scheduling. And that's a, a way that they know that anybody who comes to that page was a listener to the podcast. It's not linked in the show notes and it's not anywhere else. So it's a way that, that people listening to the podcast can go find this resource that they talked about in the podcast. And for them as a business, they know, you know, we had a hundred or a hundred thousand or whatever it is visits to this page. And it absolutely only has to be coming from the podcast. It's not coming from somewhere else organically on the blog. I think that's a really kind of savvy way to do it. The other thing is kind of on a high level, the goal really, I think, of connecting with your audience in between podcast episodes is to continue the discussion that you start in the podcast. So, Darren, I know you have a Facebook group. Uh, We have one as well, and they're absolutely fantastic. (laughs) So if you don't have a Facebook group already, start one today, start one today. Uh, Say what you will about Facebook and privacy and things like that. I won't get into that here today, but just a community, whether it's Facebook or somewhere else, a community where you can go and have a dialogue with your podcast listeners and your audience members in between episodes or in between blog posts in a way to continue that discussion. And for them to have discussions uh, themselves, you don't have to be the only one kind of starting it, is is really transformative in the ability and kind of depth of conversation that you can have with folks in your audience. It's like email, but really two-way and multi-way because they start talking with each other and everybody participates all at once. So if you don't have a community of some sort, it's really worth looking into. Mm, I agree with that. And I think for us, that has actually turned out to be the place that we do connect with our audience the most is on, on uh, in our group. And with live video in between episodes and polls and discussions and chats and those types of things, the more engagement you get there, 
the better. Um, I don't tend to hard sell on the back end of my podcast because I know people aren't going to take too much action, but I do see the podcast as a place to build uh, a good first impression to um, showcase my personality. And then uh, all of that then drives people towards the community, which then enables you to do um, other things there. So yeah, I think that's that's uh, great advice for people. And maybe one last one is um, from Patrice. What metrics should we be paying attention to? Maybe you could talk about what uh, you offer with your um, service as well in terms of metrics. This is uh, right behind what microphone should I use? This is a really popular question. I hate to say it doesn't really matter, but but it doesn't really matter. So you should be looking at things like total downloads, and that should be going kind of up over time. Every episode should be getting a little more popular. But I say that it doesn't really matter because everybody's podcast is different, and they're doing it for different reasons, and it fits into the rest of their business or brand and world a little bit differently. And so I absolutely wouldn't get hung up on metrics, you know, to say that, you know, Darren gets whatever it is, 30,000 downloads per episode and I only get 500, but my podcast is about, you know, it's in the B2B space talking about, um, CNC machines or something. And if those 500 people that listen to that podcast, frankly, are really, really valuable and maybe more valuable than 30,000 listeners that Darren gets. You want to keep an eye on your metrics, and total downloads is is probably a really good one. Um, some kind of surrogate of subscribers, and so you may you might say like downloads for an episode in the first seventy two hours after it comes out is like a good gauge of the number of subscribers you have. You know the the one that Apple Podcast has introduced kind of recently in their platform, and we have at Castos is listening duration. So how long are people listening? is an interesting thing to look at. It's a little bit segmented. So Apple Podcasts only gives you that data for the people that listen to your podcast in iTunes or in the Apple Podcast app. At Castos, we're only able to give that data on plays that happen in the browser with our player. Um, So it's never going to be a total comprehensive view of how long people are listening to your podcast. But I think generally when it comes to analytics, people love analytics. (laughs) I think it's a way to measure ourselves versus everybody else. But it's apples. It's totally apples and oranges. And don't get hung up on it for yourself. Just say, yep, I'm doing better than I was last month. That's great. And we should always kind of strive for that. But don't compare yourself to other people because it's just not a fair comparison. That's right. Well, that's uh, great advice, uh, Craig. And I really, we could have gone for a lot longer. There's so many more questions that I, I could have got to, but I think we will uh, kind of wrap it up at that. And I do want to really emphasize people should sign up for that uh, course uh, launch in a week at castos.com forward slash pro blogger, um, which will really walk you through that process. I love the idea of launch in a week um, because a lot of people do have this goal of doing something one day and they never actually put an end date on it and whether it does take you a week or whether it takes you nine days having that process kind of lined out for you is um is great and and, you know as i said before i kind of gone through the course and looked at it myself and it does answer all the the key questions so uh congratulations on putting that together cool it's my pleasure thanks for uh having me on darren i appreciate it yeah, no problem. And uh, we'll certainly link to that and uh, and the other things that you do at Podcast Motor in the show notes as well. So we'll chat with you soon. Okay. Thanks, Darren. This is ProBlogger. Thanks so much for, to Craig Hewitt for sharing with us for that interview today. You can check out his seven-step course to launching a podcast at castos.com forward slash ProBlogger. Check out today's show notes at problogger.com forward slash podcast forward slash 276. There's a full transcript there. And uh, you can also see the links to uh, the things that he mentioned during the show today as well. Just will mention briefly the outline of that seven-step course. Uh, it's uh, arranged in seven days, but you can take longer to go through it if you like. Day one is about podcasting microphones and gear. Day two is audio recording and editing. Number three is your ideal listener. 
and podcast personas, something we didn't really touch on in great depth in uh, the interview today. Day four is the perfect podcast recipe, which is uh, a great lesson. I actually got a few things out of that myself. Day five is media host and website setup. So you're getting into more the technicalities of getting your podcast up on the internet. Day six is getting your show ready to launch. And day seven is launch planning and growing your audience. We did touch on some of those things, but if you do want something that's organized in a way that will take you through the process, just head over to castos.com forward slash pro blogger. And we'll have a link to that and to the other things that um, Craig does at Podcast Motor in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for listening today. Uh, It's been a long one, but I hope you got some value out of it. Again, if you think there's someone in your network that you think would benefit from hearing today's show, please do share it with them. Um, Send them a link to our show notes at problogger.com forward slash podcast forward slash 276. Thanks for listening. Chat with you next week on the ProBlogger podcast. You've been listening to ProBlogger. If you'd like to comment on any of today's topics or subscribe to the series, find us at problogger.com forward slash podcast. Tweet us at problogger. Find us at facebook.com forward slash problogger or search problogger on iTunes. Before I go, I want to give a big shout out and say thank you to Craig Hewitt and the team at Podcast Motor, who've been editing all of our podcasts for some time now. Podcast Motor have a great range of services for podcasters at all levels. They can help you to set up your podcast, but also offer a couple of excellent services to help you to edit your shows and get them up with great show notes. Check them out at podcastmotor.com.